What's up, guys? Welcome back to my channel, the E4 Explicit Podcast. And today, you're about to watch a video of my man, Don Man, that's two ends, on my podcast for the third time. And we are talking about what's happening right now in Afghanistan. We talk about how we pulled out of Afghanistan and how unorganized it was. And we talk about his hit show, Surviving Man which is amazing. It's him against a bunch of con um, contestants and he trains them on everything that he learned uh, with SEAL Team 6. So please like, subscribe, and don't forget to hit that bell notification so you get notified every single time I post new content, which is every single week. Every Friday, there'll be a new episode of the E4 Explicit Podcast with exciting new guests, just like Don Man. So enjoy this video of my guy, former Navy SEAL, Navy SEAL Team 2 and Team 6, Don Man. I'll see you next Friday. Peace out. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of E4 Explicit Podcast. I'm Corey, and today, for a third time, Don Man, former Navy SEAL, total badass, Mount Everest climber, just like stories for days with this guy. Um, Don Man, thank you so much for coming back. Oh, it's nice to see you, Corey. It's nice to be on your show. Thanks awesome, man. Thank you. Thank you. His his name says David Lianza. Lianza? Oh, that's a mistake. That's, <laughs> um, he used this computer for Surviving Man, and I've never got his name off of it. Yeah, that's not his name. His name is Don Man. He's real. So what we're going to talk about today, mainly, Don, is, is kind of, uh, I really wanted to dive into your perspective and what, what's going on in Afghanistan and with Biden and everything, because... Um, you of all people would would know a lot of this stuff. You've been on the news a lot lately. Um, and I just kind of wanted to know your take in a nutshell so far. What What's kind of, what's happening? Well, you know, Corey, it's, it, it almost feels like there's a dagger in my heart. That's, that's what it feels like to me. Because, you know, we have Democrats, we have Republicans. Republicans don't like Democrats. Democrats don't like Republicans. That... I could, I could live with, I'm, I'm fine with that. But what we have, the people who are in office right now, the president, the chief of staff, the uh, secretary of state and defense, they have failed us so badly. We're in the worst catastrophe I think we've been in since World War II. Right now, we have, we know there's between hundreds and thousands of Americans left there. And we left them there purposely. That was part of the plan. We'll leave them there because the Taliban will, will guarantee or they'll take, they won't, they won't be their old Taliban self. The, old, the, best way of, the best way to predict future behavior is past behavior. The Taliban is known for beheading, for torturing, for gouging eyes out, for cutting hands off, for cutting feet off. I was at the park. It's a big stadium in Kabul once. I've been over Afghanistan five or six times. And in the place where they do these executions, the Taliban will come up there in a little pickup truck. They'll take the women or the boys or the people out. And the first thing they do is the amputations. The crowd's cheering, thousands of people. They're drinking their tea and eating their chips. And then after the amputations are done, the Taliban's out walking on the streets, holding these limbs up in the air. And then they come and they do the executions. They are people we cannot trust. And we have our political leadership saying, yeah, the Taliban are there. We're gonna to have to deal with the Taliban. They're not like they used to be, trust us. We have the Taliban lying to our administration saying, you can trust us, we're not the same. We have our administration making the worst mistakes ever and lying to us. It's like the perfect storm of the worst disaster since I believe World War II. And Corey, if you don't mind me going on a bit, World War I was a bad time for, for the world, of course. It was a terrible time for the world. We got involved in World War I and then we came home. Americans wanted nothing else to do with the war over in Europe. But then we were attacked on our home front in World War II. We got involved in World War II and we lost so many people and spent so much money. The worst time in our country's history. That's kind of happened again, in my view. I think, yeah, we walk away, our president and those people say, 
that we just uh, finished. We, the, uh, the end of the war, over 20 years of war is over. I don't believe that. I believe we have to go back like we did in World War II. We have to go back and now we are going into phase two, which is gonna be much more complicated, much more dangerous, much more deadly than phase one because now they have our base, they have all of our military equipment, who knows what uh, secret documents and sensitive crypto and things we left behind. They have one of the biggest military arsenals in the world now that we gave to them. And today they were flying around one of our Black Hawk helos with a body hanging from it. So that. And, and those are the people that we have given that country to. We turned our backs on them. And now we have somewhere between 100 and thousands of Americans over there still. And all of our friends and allies, we promised we would take care of. We snuck out of there over the weekend, turned our backs, walked away. And our president wants to say on 9-11, hey, I ended the war. Wow. I'm, I'm sickened by it. I'm really like so many Americans are. You know? Right. Yeah, no, that, that's what I've been seeing. I've been seeing a lot of like conflicting reports as far as like, I know Trump, Trump said the other day, like $85 billion worth of stuff, but that was like actually the whole total amount of the 20 year war of how much we spent in training and equipment. But then I saw videos of literal Taliban uh, uh, members going into these caches of like American weapons. Cause you know, they got the AK 47s and the RPGs. I mean, it was M4s. It was like legit, like military grade stuff. And then I did see that video of, of the, of them, how the fuck did they know how to fly it? Uh, Blackhawk. You know, so that that is a question I would think a lot of people are asking. So we've been over there 20 years supplying them with weapons, supplying them with helicopters, training their Afghan army to fight. Makes sense. But a lot of people left the army and, and joined the Taliban. And, um, you know, over there, ISIS, Taliban, Al-Qaeda, Afghan army, it's almost, you leave one to get another one, you get a better paying job over here. You don't really oh, wow. have allegiance to one or the other, except for, I don't want to say that so harshly because the Afghan army fought so bravely along us on our side. They lost so many people and they were our allies and they knew we were trying to help them, but we left them. Now we, I know a lot of them are going to go to the Taliban now. They have, they don't have many options over there. Right. I saw, I saw a report of um, the Taliban literally going door to door and just saying, oh, make, we have information that you worked with Americans. If you did, you're dead. That's what's happening there today. Yesterday, there are a lot more reports coming in house to house executions. Jesus Christ. And uh, the women and the little girls, you know, they're being raped. They're being tortured. The young girls are being taken as uh, commanded, the Taliban commander's wives or sold into prostitution. Wow. I, 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 um, <clears throat> I watched an interview. I forget what network it was, but this guy went and interviewed like the head Taliban spokesperson. And he basically was like, uh, he said, the Taliban guy was basically like, listen, that's the old regime. That's, that's not us anymore. We are, you know, we want positivity. We want a smooth transition. And I'm thinking to your point, they've lied to us for 20 years. They've been lying to us and doing these terrible things to their own people for so long. You know, it, it's how the fuck could you believe that? <laughs> yeah. We, anybody who believes that uh, is foolish. And they're lying to our leaders. Our leaders are lying to us. And actually, I heard a Taliban spokesman say, this is our way. We will never change our way till Judgment Day. That is the way of the Taliban. Beheadings, executions, tortures are our way. And that is how we live. And that's how we will be till Judgment Day. They yeah. believe they're doing the right thing. They feel justified because their interpretation of their law is that. Right. Wow. That's see, that's crazy. And then also like, didn't somebody had to make a deal here. And I, I think I saw like Biden, like, I think he said it, like he made a deal with the Taliban to basically say, listen, we're coming in we're going to take our people that want to go with us. Just don't fuck with us while we're doing this, please. Uh, is that kind of what happened? It is. He made a deal with the devil is what he did. And um, all he had to do was follow president Trump's plan. President Trump had it laid out. President Trump got on the phone, talked to the leadership, said, okay, we're going to take our people out. Once we get them all out, 
once we close our bases, once we get our equipment out, then we're gone. If there's one life lost in that time, we're coming after you. Believe us, we're going to come get you. Right. Biden didn't do any of that. Biden just said, oh, we're leaving. I got to get this promise out. 9-11, I got to have my own victory speech saying, you know, I ended the war. Um, and Taliban, please don't kill too many of us on the way out, if you right. would. Right. I mean, that's basically all he did. Right. And that's what it looks like, too. And and of course, they're going to be like, sure, because and, and my thing is, I would like here's my conspiracy theory of my of the conspiracy side of myself and putting my tinfoil hat on. If if Biden in that deal, I mean, I'm sure the Taliban wasn't just like, sure, have at it. There had to be a a, a give and a take with them, too. They, You know, that's where these these caches of military grade weapons are black hawks all these you know we built them a uh, i think like an electric grid or something we built them a 300 million dollar gas station um, like all these things that are there that we built and paid for they now have and I, I could only imagine it had to be within that that agreement right i would think so i would think so um but there's others who who are coming out now and saying there wasn't much thought put into this at all a lot of a lot of details weren't discussed. They weren't talked about. We we left overnight in a haste. Um, Biden's military and intel advisors, he didn't pay attention to them. He didn't take their advice. And and reports I've heard is he was just over. He's been in politics 50 years. He just wanted this behind him. He wasn't that concerned with the details. He won't take a question. He'll turn his back and walk away on people. The worst thing was one of the many many worst things seeing the 13 caskets coming off the plane and every time a casket comes off he looks at his watch that is despicable of any human being never mind the commander-in-chief who's responsible for those 13 bodies yeah those people who died what what happened with that how did they is it what was that like the first portion of us trying to get them out and then taliban's like they bombed us or what how what happened yeah they had there was like uh two bombings that took place and they were all, well, most of them were younger military personnel. They were up by the gate and they were helping to take the babies over the fence and everything. They're just trying to help. And they were doing what they were told. They were young. Some of them were 19, 20, 21 years old. And they were just in the wrong place when the two blasts went off. Wow. And so 13 were killed and there's still quite a few wounded in the hospital from that. Yeah, no, the oldest one was 31 years old. Yeah, I think it was a staff sergeant in Marines. Two of the fathers, uh, they, they want to go. They didn't want to see that president standing there and have to look at him in the face. I saw that. I saw the reports of them. They're just like disgusted by the whole situation. And I, I imagine, you know, imagine being you being a father, me being a father, and your son goes off to war or your daughter goes off to war. And we have this administration who will just turn the backs on them and you can't you don't have in your heart anymore that well the u.s the country will take care of our military that's how we always believe i've been in the military for over 20 years and with the government for over 20 years and the thinking always was the military has your back not so much the government the government if you're over there doing something the government has been known to turn the backs and not covering you because they want total deniability they don't really want to acknowledge you're doing what you're doing over there in the military, they always had your backs. That's gone as of this past week, this past chaotic week, because the United States leadership turned their backs on our military and on Americans. We left them behind. And it wasn't part of the plan because there really wasn't a plan. Right. They said, oh, no, we just got to get out of here. If they can get to the airport, fine, we'll get them out. A lot of them couldn't get to the airport. They tried. They showed the passports. A lot of them just couldn't get through all the Taliban checkpoints. And you know, you know, being over there, when you come up to a checkpoint and you see those young kids, Taliban kids or Al-Qaeda, whoever they are, where they have the AK-47s, they think nothing of killing people. No. And, and you come up there, if they think there's a reason to shoot, they, they'll just shoot. Right. And so people had to leave wherever they're living through these, ta these Taliban checkpoints, make it to the airport, and then hopefully show their ID and their passport to get on a flight. A lot of people just couldn't get through all those steps to get on a flight. Right. And they were left behind. Yeah, I saw, and I also saw a lot of people that did get out that are going to other countries and to the U.S. That they they haven't even don't even have proper documentation to like 
which because like they're saying like okay it, it they let's say they go to england or they go to um you know another country outside of afghanistan they, it's going to take months for them to get processed and they're and the reports are coming out that they don't even have proper documentation so now these people don't even have legit documentation that are just going to be stagnant in whatever country they landed in and could possibly be sent back to Afghanistan. You know, where you and I last met up in Northern Virginia, that's going to be, they're going to get a lot of them up there. Really? is getting a lot of um, Afghan refugees. Uh, like you just said, most of them aren't vetted. And a lot of them, uh, there's 10 on the top 10 terrorist list who've been evacuated. What? Uh, talk about COVID. None of them have been vaccinated. It's, you know, we're enforcing kids in school to wear masks with a, such a low incidence of getting COVID as a young child. But now we're going to allow all these Afghans who aren't vetted, some on the terrorist watch list, not vaccinated. I can't even imagine the damage that that aspect of this disaster is going to create. Right. And another thing too is like, you know, the, the, and every, any good defense, the best defense is a good offense. Right. I think. And I think that's, I don't, I'm not in the military, never been in it, but I think that's a, a good way to look at the military. And like our offense was always having boots on the ground, making them stay in caves and staying, not, not having the ability and the capability to do some research, make some bombs, make, get, build up their arsenal, build up their team and stuff like that. Right. So why was that not a thought? knowing that now they are going to run the country. They have a ridiculous arsenal. They have hundreds of millions of dollars now. I mean, I think they make like three or 400 million or three or 400 billion a year anyways, the Taliban. So they let all these people out of their prisons that are like top-notch terrorists. Um, what else more would they want than uh, you know, to, to do something to us or another country? And now they have time because we're gone. Yeah, and you know, all that and Pakistan, if there wasn't Pakistan supporting Taliban, there wouldn't be a Taliban, but Pakistan's funding them. But now when you're over there and you're in a third world country and you're not a terrorist, but you're a freedom fighter, you're fighting for a cause, for their cause, their, their recruitment is gonna go through the roof. They're gonna get so many more people who wanna be Taliban now. And it's gonna, and they just take young kids, and they get, they get them in there. How do you say no? You know, this is this is them. They just beat after beating Soviet Union. Now they beat the U.S. This is, in their view, the greatest army in the world now, and one of the most well equipped. Their, their recruitment's gonna skyrocket, and funding from all these Islamic organizations around the world is gonna be pouring in funds, and uh, they are gonna be much bigger threat than anything we've seen before, as far as fighting you know, in the Middle East. Do you, do you think that us and other countries, the whole globe is basically uh, in a worse position than we were September 10th, 2001? Absolutely. 100% absolutely we're in a much worse condition. We used to have um, a foothold over there. We had a place we could fly planes in and out of. We had boots on the ground. We had intel people on the ground. We were reporting what was going on. <clears throat> um, we, we had the means to... Uh, to find out, like you were saying, you know, if there's training camps, terrorist training camps being developed, right. if plots were being uh, developed, all of those, when you have groups, group uh, boots on the ground, you, you get a feel, you get a better sense for what's going on, you report it back, they take that information, they process it, and it becomes intelligence, and the military acts on that intelligence. Now, the plan is over the horizon ops, meaning we don't have to be in Afghanistan, if we hear something or if somebody sees something from some drone, maybe we can act on that. But the chances of that picking up much of anything is pretty slim. Yeah, we are much, much worse off. Plus, 20 years ago, there were people like you mentioned, a lot of them living, you know, in rural areas, you know, out of caves and people with AK-47s. Now they have one of the best equipped armies in the world. And they and we are gone. We're completely out of there. And we don't have our allies to side with us anymore because they've lost faith in us. They have lost faith in us. I, I really think that we have to go on the counter. Like you said, we have to go on the offense. We have to get back in there and we have to get our Americans back. What, what that cost is, I don't know, but we have to get our Americans back. The problem is 
We don't have the willpower or the mindset in this administration to do that. I almost feel it's better to have another country do that now, unless we get these leaders out and they step down. I think the best thing uh, President Biden and his top leadership team can do for our country now is to step down. They, again, the best indicator of future behavior is past behavior. Their past behavior, we see where it got us. We can't afford this to happen again in some other scenario. Right. Yeah, no, I, I definitely, I actually, I agree with, with, with the, the fact that, um, you know, Biden, he basically, it does look kind of like, like on outside looking in is like, let's just, I, like more thinking about legacy of like what he accomplished in the four or potentially eight years, however long he lives. Um, it, I think like, oh, well, I stopped the war, the 20 year war. Cause I, I, I listened to his speech and like, it was a powerful speech. It was a good speech. It was, you know, listen, this is, I'm the fourth president now that's dealt with this. I don't want to give it to a fifth and stuff like that. So that could really pull on some American strings, but to your point, the devil's in the details. And if you're not going to get out every single American and every single person that, that helped us, that is now going to be potentially killed because they helped us. Like, you know, I mean, listen, this country was, was built. I mean, Ellis Island, this is built off of, you know, immigrants and stuff like that. I'm not saying to bring a whole fucking country over here, but to the point, like, you know, these people need our help and we're the ones that went over there. So I, I think we have a duty to kind of like finish what we started and not like a, a, a bad way where we're just like bomb them. I'm just like, you know, help them get out if we're going to leave too. That's just my opinion. I don't know how you feel about that, but. I feel the same way, Corey. You know, what I realized I went over there right after the war started. I went over there a number of times, but I'd see the little girls and little boys playing in the dirt streets and the mothers trying to wash the clothes and trying to cook for them. They're good people. Right. You know, once they get politicized or, or, religion or politics take over the mindset some of them go really bad um but like most people on this planet i think most people in Af afghanistan are good people and we did we come in they've been at war now for 40 years they've had it so bad they're so impoverished there's the you know they have the drought there now everything the women the little girls have no future right now um if you're on that that watch list uh, that's a hit list. They're going door to door with that list and they see just, oh, you've helped Americans. That person's done. Everybody over there is in fear. And, and for those people who think the Taliban are going to change coats and be good people, why is it so many millions of Afghanistans trying to flee the country right now? They're scared to death of the Taliban. True. And they know the Taliban. Right. They're scared to death. We get news that's not always or close to always accurate. And we might have some people here in the US trying to convince others that the Taliban have changed. They're, they're nicer people now. Any talk to any Afghan, hear any Afghan report, they'll say, don't ever believe that. The Taliban is no different than Al Qaeda, which is no different than ISIS. This is their way. Again, they're not gonna change till their judgment day. Right. And we have to believe that. We can't assume they're gonna be better. Yeah, no, I think that's naive. And I, I agree with you. I think, especially like, as I've been watching a lot of videos, I've been seeing a lot of people that, I mean, four or five tours in Afghanistan and have worked with um, uh, people that are uh, translators and stuff like that, that worked with Afghan, the Afghan army and, and, and stuff like that, like side by side and fought with them. And they say the same exact thing. There's nobody, he's like, he, I watched this one video and the guy's like, Americans want to see Taliban and ISIS and Al Qaeda die right but uh the afghans really want to see that because they don't trust them they don't like them so i i actually i agree with you too i think that there's a a facade that i mean a, a this has happened in like less than a month so you think that the taliban just got their act together in less in the, in the last 30 days and then the last 20 years just eh, eh, we're good we nothing that never happened or we're not those people that's a old, they kept they kept saying it's an old regime and i'm like these are the same people then you're letting them out of the prison yeah they're all out of the prisons now um 5000 people released what so, yeah 5000 people released from the prisons and and those are bad people you know um 
We, did, did we imprison them? For the rest of our lives, we're going to hear of atrocities going on in Afghanistan. Oh my God. At least for another generation. Because every day you get, they're, they're, they've got a whole country now for, for, for growing and raising and breeding terrorists. Right. They've got a whole country, got all the funding they need, all the recruitment they need, all the equipment they need. It's going to be a powerful, powerful force. And it's going to take more of a force to beat them. And we don't have the will in this country, not with the leadership we have now. They, don't, they, they want to talk about woke or political correctness or, you know, you know, whatever they talk about, critical race theory, all that stuff has no place in war fighting. They should be talking about how do we do a successful evacuation. Let's think about this. This is a big deal. We got to get all the Americans out. We never leave Americans behind. We got to get all of our Americans out and let's destroy all that equipment because we can't let that equipment in the hands of the enemy. We never do that. You never, we have to do that. And by the way, Taliban, we will leave when we're done. You've, just like President Trump said, one American's harmed, we're coming after you. And that worked. And that worked. They respected President Trump. They knew he meant what he was going to do. But when Biden comes into office, just like when Jimmy Carter came into office, just like when President Obama came in office, the enemy sensed weakness and they stomp on us. They stomp on us badly. Reagan said, you know, walk softly, but carry a big stick. You know, show strength, but you don't have to use it, but you got to show strength. We show weakness and, um, and incompetence. And it, it's put us in, in the worst place in my lifetime, I know, but I believe since World War II, this is the worst place America has been. Damn. Do you think that like, okay, so that we left some, some, a lot of stuff there, money, guns, military equipment. Is it enough? Do you think, I mean, cause we're still, we're still America. We still have, I know the allies might not be with us to help us do certain things, but we could, we could literally destroy the planet 50 times over if we wanted to. So do you think that, that these Afghan, the Taliban, ISIS, ISIS K, I don't even know what the fuck that is. Um, ISIS are, on steroids. They're, they're much uh, worse. Really? I didn't think ISIS was uh, evil enough, so they created something stronger. Uh, did they? Did they all work together? Taliban, ISIS, Al Qaeda? Because I thought Al Qaeda was done. They switch around. They're, they're funded by different groups. Some of them are funded by the same groups, but they they have allegiance to whoever funds them the most. Um, a lot of the people they hate each other. They they join forces. They they're allies with one another. It changes, but they all have an evil ideology. They do not like the infidel. They do not like those who don't believe in their cause. And, and many of their views is behead or convert. And if somebody's not in line with their thinking, in line with their religion, the person doesn't deserve to live. Right. They convert or beheaded. And, and that's, how they, that's how they interpret, a lot of them interpret the Quran. Right. Which to many, it's the only book they read. They don't watch TV or anything like that. Right. They, most of them don't. That's what they know. And that's what they, they're told as young little boys and girls. And a lot of them, like you saw back, you know, the, the little kids just rocking back and forth trying to memorize the Quran. But the interpretation of the Quran they're getting from their scholars and their leaders, it, it, it turns it evil. And it, and it really, that is it. If you're not Islamic, if you're Christian, um, you convert or you're beheaded. And um, I, I, I was over there quite a few times and I saw some really bad things. Uh, for instance, this little boy stole some bread. He was probably six or seven. And they had him out there and they put it there. The guy was talking on the microphone and he pulled over a pickup truck. He says, come on over closer. And the pickup truck front tire was about that far from the little boy's hand. He was screaming and yelling. And the guy on the microphone said, he said, well, this little boy stole some bread because he said his family was hungry. So that does not work with Sharia law. He pulled the truck over and the truck crushed his arm and the crowd cheered. That's the mentality. And they think that is correct. We think that is shockingly wrong, but they think it's correct. And they're justified because they feel that's what the Quran tells them because 
That's how the Quran is interpreted to them as young kids. Just that piece alone, I mean, just imagine what, the, what they're going to be taught now um, in these schools for the boys, because the girls can't go to school. They, they, they're not allowed out of the house without a male, you know, in the family. But um, that, the, everything is going to, they want to take over the world with education, uh, through religion, through finances, meaning if they come across our airport and someone has a shoe bomb or the underwear bomb or there's anthrax in an envelope, they know that cost us a fortune. So little, little things like this here, acts of terrorism, it cost us a lot, a lot of money. So they want to beat us financially. They want to beat us through our education system. And the education system that we get from Saudi Arabia and we teach Islamic studies is a system that we get from strict Islamic studies from Saudi Arabia. And now we're teaching that to our kids and our colleges. So when they grow up, they, they don't hear of a terrorist incident. They hear of, oh, this is what we had to do because of what the United States or the West did to us. Right. And it's all backwards and it's a world full of lies almost. They're being lied to. And um, it, to answer your question, yes, we're much, much worse off than we were September 10th. That's so fucked up. Do, do you think that like the, like I, I was going to ask is, um, wait, first of all, when you say people cheering in the streets, are those like just everyday people or those like people that help like Afghani soldiers? Like, like, is everybody just okay with it? And can you stop that if you see that? You mean the beheadings and the shootings and the uh, stoning to death and all right. that? No, that's, that's the, what they do in the public. And, and it's as bad as it is, the, the woman, like if somebody, if some man says, yeah, my wife cheated on me or she wants a divorce, they put the woman in a hole, they bury her up to here, and so she's buried, it's just her head showing. And they give a rock the size of this, no bigger than this for the husband. He's gotta be a certain distance away. And he's the first one who gets the stoner because she has to die slowly. What? And I'm saying some really cruel, brutal things, but that's the Taliban. And, um, and then, but when they're done, first they start with the amputations and the executions. They pull this old, old woman out of the pickup truck put her on the ground, shot her three times, and she crumbled to the ground. Um, they, they don't see death like we do, especially with girls and women or infidels, uh, non-Islamic people, or people who go against Islamic faith or the Taliban law. But what they do as soon as those executions are done that morning, then the, foot, the soccer game begins in the same field. They were all there for the soccer game. That's like the pregame. They are not like us at all. We are not like them. I worked for two doctors and see, they, they told me in their brilliant, brilliant minds, both are colonels in the Air Force, and they went over there um, because they were asked to go over there for the US government to try to find out what's inside of the Islamic mind. Mm. And, and we worked at some prisons where we had a lot of these Islamic Taliban, ISIS, Al-Qaeda, and we had these people there, not ISIS, but Taliban and Al-Qaeda. And they told us, they said, yeah, we're okay with killing women and children because they grew up and they support the infidel. And if we kill a bunch of Muslims in the meantime, that's okay. As long as we kill the Christians, we're okay with that. KSM was talking about how happy his eyes lit up when he was talking about beheading Daniel Pearl, the journalist. Mm -hmm. He was excited. He said, yeah, this is how it was. They get excited because of the way they've been brainwashed. And, um, and we don't know how to change that. And President Bush, you know, 43, George W., he had, I think, the right heart, the right mindset, but it didn't work. He wanted to try to change their thinking to be a democracy and be like us and try to be more like us. And they said, yeah, we'll do that. We need some money. We'll do that. We need some money. Um, as soon as we left, they, they were right back to their old ways. I don't know if there is a way to change it. The two doctors I work for says, we have two ways of looking at life. They're not gonna change us. We're not gonna think beheading and amputations or raping little girls is okay. Right. They're gonna think going to the bargaining table, trying to do a compromise, trying to sit and discuss our differences. They, they think that is, is weak and cowardice. So I, I, don't, I have never heard of a possible solution, but in the short term, I do believe all those aircraft we see and all the helicopters, all the M4s, M16s, 
all, all the NV night vision goggles, everything we left behind, we got to do an aerosol and just blow those things up. That's, really? that, that wouldn't be hard to do. And we would get some civilian casualties and we don't like hurting civilian people. And of course, nobody, Americans don't, Westerners don't. And that would cause some, but there'd be a lot less people lost doing that than if we allow our enemy to have this army right. and this, um, this army, this equipment that's we gave them on a silver platter. Right. So, so that's kind of like a segue to my, my next question is like, like I said earlier, like we could, we have enough firepower to eliminate anything. So even though we've showed some cowardness and some kind of like weakness to the basically the world at this point with, with doing this so quickly in this, the manner that we did it, do you think still that they would, that, that they're really going to like try to come for us and come for us on our own soil and stuff? Absolutely. Really? Absolutely. And it's so easy. They've always wanted to. And um, now it's so, of course, they have all the weaponry, they have all the funds, and we have a wide open border down south, a southern border. Basically, they could have an army pull up and come to our country, and we're not stopping them. We are allowing it to happen. We're almost making it happen. We're, it's almost like, okay, how can we get our country in a worse position? Let's open up the border. You know, northern borders, you can't get through that to Canada, back and forth there. But southern border, that's where the terrorists are coming through. And when I was more involved in this stuff than I am now, because now I'm, I have very little to do with any of it, but um, we knew we had 200 cells in the U.S. waiting to, for a mission to attack. What? So you might see somebody from over there dressed up in a tie and a suit and everything, going to work with his briefcase. But up here, he's waiting for a mission to blow himself up or, or create, create chaos or some act of terrorism. That we, we understood and believed that there were 200 terrorist cells in the US uh, that we were trying to track. What? And that was years ago. And that was when we had a more secure border. And that was before arming these people. It's, we're way worse off than we ever were. So what, what kind of timeline do you think something could potentially happen actually on our, our soil? Okay, well, I was watching the whole Taliban takeover of Afghanistan. That red was growing and growing and growing. And for the Biden administration, oh, we didn't think it would happen that fast. They were showing it on the news every night. This is how much Taliban has taken. That happened like wildfire. That spread across that country so fast. They have their acts together. They, whoops, they, they have their act together. They, they really know what they're doing. And, and you wouldn't think that they're uneducated. Most of them can't read. They don't know what's going on in the world, but they, they're fighters. They know how to fight. They've taken over their country. There's only a few places left in Afghanistan they haven't taken over. But I think it'd be very, very, very naive to believe there aren't planning cells right now seeing how they can attack the West. Wow. And to get to, into our country is the easiest country in the world to get into. We're the easiest. Right. Um, it's, there's, there won't be an issue there. But it depend, I, I, I have no doubt they're, they're planning on what targets they would like to hit. Um, what else can they do to further damage us? We're on our knees right now. I mean, they... It's not going to take much to kick us while we're down on our knees. Right. And, and you're not thinking, I'm thinking when I think of like somebody doing like a, a act of terror to us on our soil, I'm picturing like a Japanese fighter jet flying through the sky over Pearl Harbor. And it's like obvious they're attacking us. You're, you're talking like, well, they're going to use some of these potential cells that are already in America. They're going to come through the border, pretend to be somebody else. And then in six months, blow up a bomb in downtown New York or something like that is what you're kind of talking about, right? I, I'm thinking, yeah, it could be people here who live here already or people who are already planning. Now they have training ground. They have all of Afghanistan as right. a training uh, ground. And time. Build. They have time. Oh. That, that's, you know, we don't have the pedal. We don't have their, their the boots on their throat at anymore. It's they're, they're up and they have the time and now the finances and the power, firepower to to train into, and I'll tell you what, man, you said it earlier, the recruiting, like I remember when ISIS first came out, I mean, talk about a recruiting like monster. I mean, their videos were 
I mean, they were getting Americans to go over there, which was crazy. And it was because they recruited so well. And now they have Taliban, Al Qaeda, ISIS, ISIS K, money, gun, all this stuff. We just, like you said, beat the Americans. They're gone. It's, it's like a, it really is kind of like a recipe for disaster. And on top of all that, now we have China, Iran, and Russia were siding with them. Who really? also, I mean, they're, they're the embassies that haven't closed over there, there's a couple embassies still open. I'm sure there's Chinese deal. You know, I can only imagine a deal with the Chinese or the Russians or Iranians saying, okay, you, you beat the Americans, congratulations. But what we'd like to do, we're gonna come in here We'll, uh, we'll take over the base, we'll, we'll help you guys out, and we'd like to work side by side with you because this is what we have in our country. We can go side by side with you. I mean, now there's a void there. Like when President Obama was told, whatever you do, don't pull out all the forces, you know, don't pull out everybody. If you pull everybody out, the, the biggest void will be something worse than anything we've ever seen. And that was the start of ISIS. And President Bush said, don't pull them all out, don't pull them out. He did pull them all out, again, on another political promise, and that was the start of ISIS. Now, who knows what's gonna um, end wow. up with these people now. That makes so much sense, where like every time we pull out like a large portion of our military, a new cell, you know, to cut off one head, another one grows. Um, but that's actually, I didn't even think about that. That's a good point, because what, to be honest, of all the people that I've talked to, China always is typically the number one threat that they are more scared of than anything because not so much the firepower and the, and the population and their military, it's their technology is what scares people. So that's what scares me the most, I think, personally, is if, if China got in there, it was like, listen, you set up an attack, we can set up an attack, but guess what? We can send a little thing before the attack that will kind of scramble their whole technology stuff and our defenses and we'll be sitting ducks. That's my kind of biggest fear is like having like a superpower like China because they have that that by 2050 they want to be this I think the superpower of the world um, they got a big shot in the arm they got a big boost just now I, yeah that's that's what kind of like I, I the first now that you said that I never really thought about that but because I didn't think of anyone else would want to move in but that's like a, a brilliant strategic move because the good thing is for China or Russia is why not have a big place there to stage out of I mean, you're right there in the Middle East. I mean, that's the perfect place. That's why we were so happy being there. And right. Biden was secure. It was, you know, 25 miles away from Kabul, but it was secure. And we really, it was a town there. It was really a big town. And we had that whole place as our own place. You know, we could launch any type of um, assaults out of there, any type of aircraft out of there. Right. And we just, and we had ground support, air support. And with the Afghans, they were fighting their own war. And all we did was provide air support for them because we're able to leave out, a, you know, Biden. Yeah, safely, yeah. And um, once Biden pulled out and said, Biden's closed, you guys are on your own. They said, what do you mean? We're going to fight? We're going to fight without air support or ground support? That's why the Afghan army lost their will to fight. Wow. It wasn't like Biden said they, they didn't want to fight. They threw up their arms. They lost the air support and ground support. We didn't lose anybody there for a year and a half. It was going well. That plan was going well. President Trump's plan was working. We had um, a handful of people on the ground, and we weren't fighting for a year and a half. We were supporting the Afghan army, who took a lot longer to train than we thought. But we were training them, and they were fighting their own fight with our air support and our intel support on the ground. But we pulled both of those out and said, hey, you're on your own. That's why they lost the world to fight. Right. And it's also just the presence too of us, like I said earlier, of us being there, it's less of a chance of like these cells to get bigger and larger and have the balls to like, you know, cause they know if they go to the airport and they fuck us up and they kill one of us, they know that it's going to be bad for them. You know, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed, who was a mastermind on 9-11, we had him in one of our cell in one of our jails. And he was the man who, who destroyed, you know, who got us a 9-11, KSM, Khalid Sheikh Mohammed. And he said, he said, and they call him Mukhtar, the, the master. And uh, he beat us with three by five cards. He said, you Americans, I mean, I planned 9-11. I just had people meet, park benches, give them a three by five cards. I didn't do anything on computer. 
I mean, I beat you with three by five cards. Wow. And, and when he went to get Mo, you know, they have a, uh, a belief in the Islamic faith that once you're in captivity for so long, and once you're going under too many hardships, you can start speaking, start telling them what you know, because Allah, Muhammad doesn't want you to suffer. So he just started singing, as we said, and he went on and on and on, on the Islamic, on, on their feelings. And, and when he talked about um, Americans dying and being killed, he, he got so excited. And, and that unfortunately is the, the threat that we have. You won't see an American, if you do, the person's not right, excited about killing somebody else. Right. You know, we, we, we take out the threat, we shoot the threat, we shoot the enemy. Nobody is excited about doing right. that. They yeah. are excited about killing us. Right. That's, a, that's so fucking crazy, man. That's scary. That's scary that that's the mindset of the people that now have a ton of money, a ton of firepower, a ton of time to plan whatever that they want to do. Do you think that, um, well, let me ask you one more question about the war or the pullout of the military, and then we'll get on to, I'd like to talk about a little bit about surviving man, because it's fucking awesome. Um, so you've, you've trained a lot of people that have fought in the war. You've trained SEALs. You've trained the highest level of, of, of uh, people you yourself have been over there multiple times. Is there anything in you that's like, I'm just glad it's over because now Americans aren't going to have to be there. Families can be reunited and be, you know, we won't have to have any more American casualties. And then innocent civilians over there don't have to get drone struck every ever, every other day and, 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 and stuff like that. Does that kind of like give you a little bit of help hope? Oh, I would have had that feeling overwhelming that having that feeling if we had carried out president trump's plan and we methodically pulled out and didn't leave all the people behind and leave all our gear behind i i i to tell you the truth i didn't know why we stayed as long as we did in iraq or afghanistan i wanted to be out of there for a long time but the plan was slow the plan was working and i seeing you know young servicemen being killed over there it just like tears your heart out seeing that. So I, I, I didn't believe we should have been there as long as we were. President Trump was the only president of the four who had a plan to end it. And he was ending it correctly. President Biden turned his back on everything President Trump did that was good for our country. He's trying to use President Trump as an excuse right now, but he didn't carry out President Trump's plan. All he did was bail us out of Afghanistan with all the, the fragments behind, and that's what the repercussions are. We would have been so much better. There'd be so many lives not lost if we had stayed in and carried on with the withdrawal the way President Trump had planned. But the way Biden did it, we're, for the rest of my days, I know we're gonna be um, in a worse place because of that. It's, they, they feel right now that it's gonna take at least a generation of people to recover from that disaster. What from the from the us pulling out? Yeah, the way we pulled out because of China, Russia, uh, Iran, the whole world power turned. We lost our credibility. We lost our allies. NATO has gone to pieces. Um, the Islamic terrorist Islamic world and Islam is not bad, but the terrorist Islamic world, they want us and they have a whole country and a whole armory to come after us now and. And now with the assistance of possible China, Russia, and Iran at this side, and our open border, we're sitting ducks. The only way out of this is if miraculously our leadership has a change of mindset and they start thinking what's best for our country. Let's forget about this wokeness and whatever else to talk about. That has nothing to do with defending our country. Let's focus on defending our country. That's why we're paid to do what we do. I'm a four-star general, I'm a three-star general, I'm Secretary of State, Secretary of Defense. We are put in these positions because we're supposed to have the expertise and the will and the mindset to protect our country. That we don't have right now. Unless they all step down and miraculously other people step in their place, I don't see an answer to this anytime soon. Magic. I can say I would 
I would be totally surprised if every day doesn't get worse than the day before from now on. Okay, so if you had a magic wand and Don Mann, President Don Mann, what would you do? Well, boy, <laughs> I, I would I would want to go get Bagram Air Base back. Okay, Taliban, we're coming in. We're going to come get the Air Base back. That was a blunder on our side. We're coming in. Let's try to make this peaceful. We're coming back in. Um, the equipment we left behind, we're, we're going to take it back. If not, we're going to destroy it. We're coming in. We're coming in. We're a much stronger country than you are. We're, we're going to come in. We're going to be peaceful about it, but we're, take, we're retaking Bagram Air Base. Boom. That's what we're doing. I would fire the generals, and I would get leadership in there, like leaders who want to protect our country, who aren't concerned about this liberal mindset that's I think it's a cancer. It's a cancer that's spreading into our country. And imagine if we had to take that mindset and go defend our country with that mindset, with that. And I'm not saying woke and CRT and all that stuff. I'm not saying it, it's bad in a bad way. I'm saying there's no place for it when it takes the place of a leader's mind instead of defending our country. I, I can so, I see that. Yeah, I get what you you're know, saying. I'm, I'm not trying to bash that mindset. There's there's a place for everything, but it's not in defending our. It doesn't do anything helping our defend our country. Let me sense. let me ask you something to make it to dumb it down for people. That would be like you in your heydays as a Navy SEAL going over to Afghanistan with that mindset and not being able to pull the trigger when you need to because your life depends on it and back home depends on it, right? Is that kind of what you're you know, saying? Corey, what you just said has been the biggest frustration of SEALs and other special operations forces for the last um, decade or so, the rules of engagement. The rules of engagement, um, they, they would track down these terrorists, then they'd have to call, hey, I'm not sure, can, can I take this shot? Should I, can I shoot this person? They would have to call back and get permission. Rules of engagement, and I'm exaggerating a little bit, but their hands are tied behind the back. They basically, like in Vietnam, weren't allowed to win the war. Hmm. And the military, we do have the strongest military in the world. And we have the best equipment in the world, but we don't have the will or the mindset to use it when we need to use it. And I love President Reagan's mindset was, okay, yeah, we're big nuclear power. We've got the best weaponry in the world, the biggest military in the world. We don't want to use it, but, but believe us, you mess with us, we're going to use it. And that kept our enemies at bay. Now it's the other way around. Now it's the other way around. We're weak. We're pathetic. Yes, you can have all this stuff. Please don't kill too many of us on our way out. It, it, it's mind-baffling, really, to me. Right. And that's, that's the, the latest pullout in your words. It's, 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 it, it's put us on our knees, basically, is what, yeah. how you feel. Well, listen, on a positive note... <laughs> Let's talk about your hit show, Surviving Man, with two ends, everyone. So this show, you know what? What's the show about, Don? Well, you know, Corey, Surviving Man, it wasn't my idea at all. A friend of mine who's a TV producer, he's in the reality TV shows. His name is Bob Seafell. And I used to do product endorsements and things for him the last seven or eight or nine years. And he said, Don, um, I've seen you shoot weapons. I've seen you do this exercise stuff. And I've seen you on the, the walls climbing. Why don't you do a show? Why don't we put on a show where you compete against other people? I said, there's no way, Bob. I, I am so beat up now. I'm 63 years old. I can't compete against anybody who's good. And he said, yeah, you're just being humble. I said, no, I'm not being humble. That's the truth. <laughs> and anyways, so he, he put together a show called Surviving Man, M-A-N-N. -N. And he advertised and promoted it and 500 to 600 people applied. And I got this wow. big Zoom TV they sent me so I could do all these Zoom calls with all these people. And they were some top, top shooters and studs. One of them, one American Ninja Warrior. I mean, some of the studliest people I've ever seen. Some not so studly, but most of them were. And Bob wanted me to compete against the top one. Bob, that is not gonna happen. So the, seat, the story is, that's kind of a secret, is I said, Bob, we're going to change this. I get off the helicopter in episode one. I come up to the group that's standing there, 32 were chosen. And I tell them, I said, 
Welcome here. You're all welcome. It's nice to meet you all. You're all studs. You've been chosen out of 500, 600 people to be here because of your background, your expertise, your shooting, your trusted Americans. But you came here because you thought you're on some reality TV show called Surviving Man. Well, that was just a cover story. You're here because we needed Americans to go through a selection process because we have to put together a mission and pull off this mission to save a hostage who's gonna be killed in less than a week. And so if you wanna stay, just raise your hand. If you wanna leave, that's okay. But you are not here for some reality TV show. This is a selection process. So we, I turned it around <laughs> right before the start and um, we trained these people. It was brutal, brutal training. And they did really well. And it's 10 episodes. Randy Couture, the legendary martial arts MMA fighter was my co-host. We went out to Vegas and we did 10 episodes. And it was a lot of fun. We're out there in the desert at the largest shooting range in the country called Front Sight. And every day was brutal. Every day was a lot of great weapons training, uh, land navigation, desert navigation, navigating underground, working up on the high ropes course, sniper shooting, long gun shooting, throwing smokes, grenades. And I taught them all close quarters battle, two person CQB. And then they carried out a mission and that's gonna be on episode 10, which isn't out yet. So I won't say how that happens. Yeah. But up till episode nine, um, they, they, did, they did a great job editing and making a nice TV show out of it. Yeah, it, they did a really good job from, from all the, listen, I'll tell you what, man, two things that I, that I took away from it was the trailer, was fucking awesome that thing was like i mean the, the beats it was hitting on the gunshots and it and it and then ends on you and that suit that you came out with in the helicopter <laughs> i was fucking balling man i was like god in a suit off that chopper like that was that was amazing man that's that I need to, I, I'm trying to like, it's on YouTube. I, I keep seeing people posting like actual full episodes on YouTube. Where, where can like you people watch? A couple of places. You can go to AmericanStories.com because he's got five or six TV shows on American Stories. You can go SurvivingMan.com or you go to my website, USFrogmanWith2Ends.com. But there are nine episodes out now. And, um, and then there's going to be, there's a couple other shows that came about after surviving man just talking to the people who did the show and the uh, top three guys i told all three of them one of them's 20 years old i said you know being around the military and venture racing and mountain climbing you're three of the studliest guys i've ever known right. they were so solid and the women the beautiful models who are also tough 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 people there's a really nice blend of people that's and, awesome um, one of the girls there her name was lisa I met her in Afghanistan 20 years ago at the beginning of her intelligence career. What? And I was one of her weapons instructors at the time. And then 20 years later, I see her at the end of her career and she was one of the contestants. What? Yeah, it was good to see her. That's so wild. Mm -hmm. Small world. That's crazy, man. Do you have any uh, like books coming up? Like what, what's, what's, what's next for uh, Don Man? Well, um, the thing I've been working on, I've been working hard at promoting SEAL kids. And, um, and, and I, the reason is, Corey, is uh, it's a Navy SEAL foundation. You know, it's a nonprofit. But I had a friend call me and they said, do you know Don McFall? I said, yeah, of course. Don McFall and I are very close before he was killed. And um, I think the world of Don McFall. They said, well, his wife was pregnant when he was killed in Panama and I was with him. His wife was pregnant and the daughter would like, to hear, she knows that you knew her dad, but she died before he was born. Would you be willing to talk to his daughter? I said, of course. Wow. So I went to a, a little restaurant and met her there. And she said, I just want to know about my dad. So anyways, that was, uh, oh boy, that was hard, you know. Oh and my her gosh. dad, what a hero. They named an aircraft carrier after her dad. Really? McFall. Yeah, Don McFall was carrying off bodies protecting the bodies from bullets with his own back. And he was killed on the runway in Panama. He was one of the four SEALs killed. Wow. That was the dad. And um, so anyways, what SEAL kids contacted me and they asked me if I'd help in some way to try to support them. So what I'm doing now, Corey, anything I do, any TV show, 
any race that I produce, and I'm producing a whole series of races called Terrain Adventure Racing, they're all going to be in support of SEAL Kids now. And um, as far as books go, yeah, I just finished book number 22. And I did books, um, the last books that are out, it's, um, you know, ones on women warriors, ones on um, pirates, uh, ones on assassins, U.S. assassins. But um, now what I'm going to do, I'm going to focus my time and energy on helping SEAL kids. Because if I was asked to help any charity, it would probably be kids, more than military, even or veterans, because they don't have a chance. But when it comes to helping veterans, especially SEAL veterans and the kids, that's that's I'm going to look at that as my calling to help. That's a win-win. A fundraiser next month, and I went to Columbus, Ohio, a couple weeks ago and did a talk for SEAL kids. And um, SEAL kids are going to be part of all the events I put on, including Surviving Man. The celebrity show is going to be out in February, and then this series I'm putting on terrain adventure racing. It's like obstacle course racing using natural terrain right they're going to be uh, supporting that but i'm going to be uh, supporting seal kids through the terrain adventure racing publicity and marketing that's amazing and, and so the books um I'm, I'm kind of turning toward the charity more than books now that's great man well you're at a point in your career where you know you you can focus on those things that you want to do you know what i mean that, that really that mean a lot to you that's awesome so I'll, I'll obviously put all those links seal kids i always do put the seal kids in in my links and stuff like that and, and we'll put that out there for sure. But, um, man, thanks again for coming on, Don. I really appreciate it. I love talking to you. You're being on three times now. So you're a vet, you're a vet on my podcast. Well, Corey, you're so good at what you're doing. I love your shows and, and I'll look forward to the next time we're together. Awesome. man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And that's another episode of the E4 explicit podcast. We'll see you tomorrow or no, we'll see you next time. <laughs>